I'm Craig Williams, and this is Beyond the Tassel. We discussed finding college fit back on November 3rd, and part of that discussion centered on making a list of your targeted schools. Now, I dropped a lot of information on you during that episode having to do with making the choice that would best assure fit. But in this discussion, I want to do something a little different. This discussion has to do with how high up the selectivity ladder you can jump, what rung you can safely grab a hold of, and which rungs are within reach even without jumping. And then which rungs are so high on that ladder that you'd have to count on a pretty good upwind, the perfect jump, and otherwise perfect conditions to reach them. Now, our discussion today is about what is reasonably gettable for you from the standpoint of how well your qualifications align with the typical admitted applicants of various institutions. So let's jump in and talk about what all of this means and just how it impacts you and the choices you'll want to create for yourself. Institutional selectivity has become a major theme in college choice in the last 10 years. Not that it hadn't been an issue before then, it has, but it is changing. And I'd like to highlight a few reasons why. To begin with, highly selective colleges and universities are marketing themselves much more heavily than ever before to a somewhat broader range of students. Now, you may ask why. Well, the reason is tied to a simple formula you've probably heard of before having to do with supply and demand. Now, more precisely, by creating the illusion that there is high demand for a good or a service, the purveyor of such goods and services can claim that their offering is more valuable. Now, in the college rankings game, this translates to a higher ranking on the selectivity index, which in turn translates in part to a kind of exclusivity, which often leads to a higher overall ranking in places like Niche.com and the ever-present U.S. News and World Report. The trouble with all of this is that there's a great deal of artificiality to these kinds of rankings. There really is. Students and parents look with such laser focus at that ranking number that many times they fail to give much more than a cursory glance at the programmatic strengths of these various institutions. Now, what good does it do the student of a number three, five, or even one ranked institution if the program you want to major in is ranked 30, 40, or 50? You might well be throwing away the chance to study under an amazing faculty in an amazing department. And for what? The misguided interest of so much momentary crowing about some arbitrary ranking and the prestige it brings? Believe me, not worth it. But let's be careful here, because some schools that are highly ranked by these ranking organizations are actually very good schools. But it's a good idea to understand the backside of this system. So every school in the country wants to see a higher ranking next to its name. Make no mistake about that. And it is a fact that one way they expect to get there is by inviting far more students to apply than they can ever admit. The top 10 schools, again, according to the rankers, all feature admission rates of less than 8%. This means that if they're trying to fill a class of 2,500, they would need to incentivize approximately 31,250 prospective students to apply. But factually speaking, many of those applicants would just not do well at certain schools. And these admissions directors know it. And yet, they know they want to see their rankings rise. And selectivity is one proven way to get there. All that aside, 
It remains the reality of the college admissions game, and if you want to get into a school that is highly selective, you're going to have to stand out and play this game. For many, this is a very high ACT or SAT score, combined with typically a very high GPA. But realize, please, please realize that not every school is so impressed by these metrics. Believe me, many of these schools get hundreds of perfect ACT scores, and they have to turn many of them away. They want to see more. Increasingly, this is the case. They want to see that the students they select to join that incoming freshman class can bring something special, something unique. The practical implications of this are that schools that move up the rankings by way of higher selectivity can often be quite accessible to prospective students with certain qualifications. And in some cases, those very students may not even fully understand what those qualifications are. So this is why your admission story matters so much, but also why your list of match, reach, and safety schools must be carefully considered on more than the basis of selectivity. All right, as much as all of this matters, it is also a very good idea to at least know what the schools that interest you are looking for on those straightforward metrics like GPA and ACT or SAT scores. And for this, I recommend a website that tracks the previous year's admissions by ACT scores. Find it at collegesimply.com. This is a resource-rich site that will help put some of this selectivity stuff into perspective for you. But don't get hung up on any single metric holding the exclusive power over your admission or lack thereof to any particular school. I strongly recommend that you find the schools with the best programs for your area of interest, regardless of how selective they may or may not be. Organize them in a spreadsheet like Excel, Numbers, or Google Sheets. And then refer to College Simply to find out what the median ACT score was for last year's admitted students and enter that on your sheet. Whatever your ACT score was, I would encourage you to use a range, including that number as your top end and a number two points lower as the low end. This will be the ACT range of your target schools. So, for example, so let's say you scored a 26 on your ACT. Then your target range will be the schools which have a median admission score of between 24 to 26. Next, I'd like to see you compile a list of what we will call safety schools. For these schools, step your score down two to six points. In other words, in this scenario where you scored the 26, your safety schools would have accepted a median ACT of between 20 and 24. And by the way, there is no need to include more than three or four schools in any of these categories. But feel free, if you like, go ahead and include more. Perfectly fine. Now, I also want you to consider a few schools that make absolutely no sense from an ACT point of view. This is where you may be pleasantly surprised at the end of the day. But I sincerely encourage you to brace yourself for rejection letters from these schools. You're going to get some. Now, if you do get accepted, it will be because the admissions team saw something in you that they wanted. It wasn't a fluke. It wasn't an accident or a mistake. If they accepted you, there's a good reason for it. Now, if you are accepted here, you belong here. Don't second-guess yourself or take the attitude that you don't belong here, even if it's Harvard or Stanford. If they accepted you, you belong, period. And so I encourage you to put some of those kinds of reach schools on your list, and maybe just two or three. But again, 
don't be afraid to apply to more if you like. It won't hurt your odds, and who knows, maybe one school of similar selectivity will see something in you that their institution needs that another school just doesn't. This is where you pretty much just throw out ACT scores altogether. Now, if a school has the fit you're looking for and a strong programmatic advantage for your area of interest, include it, even if the median ACT score happens to be 35. Now, this is where you throw caution to the wind on the possibility that you will be pleasantly surprised. Believe me, it happens. Your extracurriculars, your letters of recommendation, and your personal statement or your essay can easily make up for a lower ACT score. Use that leverage to your advantage. Use all of your inputs to determine the ranking order for your target, reach, and safety schools. This is what you're doing in your spreadsheets. And organize them in descending order on the spreadsheet. You can learn an immense amount about a school from its website. But you ought to also do a little research through collegeconfidential.com, Quora, and Niche.com. These are all websites that have a tremendous range of resources for you. And by the way, they'll be very candid resources in some case. You'll find the perspectives of current students and alumni to be very helpful, especially at garnering a better understanding of those intangibles that you probably won't find on a school website. Now, consider the distance from home, the makeup of the school's neighborhood, be it urban, suburban, or rural. Consider the size of the school, the kind of social scene there, and the likelihood for the necessary scholarship or financial aid options, okay? Look at it all and put your ranking together accordingly. Remember here that virtually every top private college or university is going to give you what you need financially if they accept you. So if you can get into the school on the basis of your academia, on the basis of your athleticism, on the on the basis of the fact that you, you know, bagged a 12-point buck uh, during bow season, whatever, if they accept you, it isn't always just because you got a perfect score on your ACT. You really need to know that. That's so critical. Now, try to distance yourself from the preconceptions of where you thought you'd like to go as you perform this objective analysis. Once you've placed all three categories in order, you should be able to simply make your applications to those top three or four within each category, target, reach, and safety. You definitely want to have a few acceptance letters when it's all said and done. But you absolutely do not want to find yourself without an option next fall. And you'd also like to find yourself with a surprise, or maybe two, which is what applying to some REACH schools will hopefully provide. Well, look, that's it for this week. I hope this has been of some help. Well, I hope you enjoy Thanksgiving week, however you're spending it during this very strange COVID-19 era. Next week, I'm going to explore the idea of for-profit institutions. Now, these are generally schools that rely heavily upon virtual learning and are not the primary type of institutions students typically attend today. But the times are changing, and I think it's worth a look to see where the leadership in this category is currently coming from. Until then, I'm Craig Williams for Beyond the Tassel. Stay safe, stay healthy, and make yours a worthwhile journey. <laughs>